Now get out from where? Because then she started saying a bunch of I expel things. you. <laughs> He's like, you don't even work here. She doesn't go here. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan, and I finally watched Hereditary. And this is David, and I also finally watched Hereditary. I hate you for making me watch this goddamn motherfucking movie. I liked it. Yeah, it, made, it made me feel things. You're hard to, to like make uncomfortable in all situations, um, but you're hard to scare, and I feel like this movie even freaked you out a bit. Well, I told you, like the, um, I think what, 15, 20 minutes in, uh, Tony Collette, whose name is Annie in the movie, Annie looks over in the corner and sees her mother, who is dead, just standing in the corner, smiling at her. And I like got the, like the chills on my skin. I was like, oh shit. (laughs) And that was just, that was just the start of it. So, um, yeah, it it obviously gets worse from there, which is interesting because a lot of, um we've talked about a lot of these movies kind of the the grossest or the thing like kind of sometimes happens in the beginning but this is like such a just a slow slow build until the end you know you you say it's a slow build but i'm actually surprised how quickly things come up and i guess that mainly has to do to the fact that it's only a two-hour movie um not even counting the credits right and so like 30 minutes in it does not feel like you've watched you know far into the film because you really haven't but (laughs) we'll get into it later but something absolutely horrific happens just 30 minutes into the film and then an hour into the film uh it's kind of like mystery unraveling it's like okay you're kind of figuring out what's going on but then the last, I'll say, 20 minutes of the film, everything gets turned up to 11. And, like, you thought the first 30 minutes was crazy? You thought the first hour was crazy? Nah. Like, the last 20 minutes, everything gets, you know, turned over on its head. And I think that's just kind of the way Ari Aster likes to do things. Yeah. I mean, and I guess... uh Midsommar is similar, but Midsommar, and that's the reason we did this, is because we both saw Midsommar and really liked it. Um, oh, that's that the reason? Not, huh? <laughs> that's the reason? Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> why, it's why at some point we'll probably do The Lighthouse, because we both like The Witch. Um, but Midsommar was not scary. It was fucked up, and it was gross, like when those people are can't remember jump or pushed off the uh, ledge and like they willingly jump that's right that's what i thought um but then the you know it's you see that really gross thing and then it sort of builds 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 and then it's just a really fucked up ending but it was never scary the ending was never and it's really wasn't even kind of freaky because you know in a lot of these movies like people kind of fight back a little bit but in midsummer the guy's drugged up and so he doesn't fight back and and in this uh Alex Wolf, you know, who plays Peter, doesn't fight back really. Tony Collette, we don't see her fight back. Like, you know, what I mean, it's kind of just an acceptance. And I was reading something about how um, Ari Aster, when he wrote this, 
it was really, and you and I talked about this too, about how it was just like, it was a thing happening to this family. It wasn't like a, a journey of any of these characters. It was just an experience that they were going through and an experience that they had no control over. You know what I mean? Like nothing they did would have changed how the movie ended. None of their I, actions. Yeah. I, you know, now that we were talking about this and I can view this film, you know, a little bit later after the hype, the hype that I had last night. Um, okay. I know I'm going to sound like a broken record and it's going to sound pretentious, but I'm really not trying to. And I really need you to like go with me on this journey. Okay. I won't, but let's go. All right. I think really, if you kind of analyze this film, it is something that happens to these characters that it's out of their control. And, and um, here I go. Would you say it's a metaphor for grief? It's not a metaphor for grief. They're, they're all going through grief. No, but, but in like, a, like, um, like the metaphor is when... Like the way it takes you over and you can't control it? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's something you could easily take from it. Um, and I, I also read that he originally, when he wrote this, he's written like 10 or so scripts, like from, from a, you know, a kid until now. And that this was originally just a family drama. And then he added all the occult stuff in and made it a horror movie. So if you think <laughs> about it from that way, like yeah. then, yeah, it's definitely, it definitely makes sense as like just a, a metaphor for grief. And there's just so much grief going on in it, obviously, you know, because of the continual deaths. <laughs> when, when you say family drama, now I'm imagining this like 90s sitcom setup of like Tony Collette and Alex. She's Wolf. still in it. <laughs> No, they're all still in it. And it's just like just like the opening theme song where they're like, and like they look at the camera like thumbs up and like someone's burning alive in the background. It's like starring Annie. I don't think Charlie still is in it. I think she gets recast if it's not in a horror movie. <laughs> Aw. She's uh, she's really good at this part as a horror part as a as a demon possessed thirteen year old, but otherwise I'm not sure. Oh, did you hear that? Yikes! Which, you know, it's it's uh, her clicking kind of as a reminisce throughout the whole movie, but you know, alive she only does it like once. Uh I heard it a few times. Really? When she was alive? Yeah, it's yeah. I think they um they probably like were more focused on it maybe once, but she was doing it. I heard it a few times. I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering. It's whatever. But um, yeah, it's definitely an effective, effective thing to just get your your you know your hair standing on your arms, like to just hear that at random points throughout the movie after she's passed away. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah uh okay so i think just the best way to probably do this is just to start from the beginning uh right off the bat the grandmother has passed away and the first scene is we are at the funeral where tony collette like you said uh plays annie which is in this case the daughter of the grandmother and she's giving her eulogy 
Right. I really like the opening shot of the obituary though. And there's like so much really kind of in there too that like, like little tidbits of like exposition, but then that when you reread it after, you know, I started the movie over, but I didn't really get a chance to watch too much of it. But seeing that now, seeing that Annie's brother's name was Charles Mm -hmm. and that her daughter was named Charlie and kind of the connection of those two things. Yeah. And I think that poses a lot of questions onto, you know, things that come up later in the movie. Like, was it always supposed to be this line of, (laughs) of generation or was it supposed to be, uh, Because, you know, later on a little bit, we're revealed that Charles, Annie's brother, uh, had schizophrenia. And we also know that Charlie, Annie's daughter, has a nut allergy. And there's this, like, ongoing thing about an allergy or, I guess, a mental illness would be... um, a a defect on a body so i'm curious to see if if like the original intent was to have charles who had schizophrenia not being good enough for this sort of like sacrifice well there's also the thought and it's what i think is um she talks about how charles had schizophrenia and he said that you know he had all these people that his mom was trying to put in him is how he phrased it uh-huh. And so it's more likely to me that they tried to put the demon into Charles. And so that he actually didn't have schizophrenia, that they did the same thing they did to Charlie that they do to Peter at the end. So why didn't it work? Oh, he killed himself. I don't know why it didn't work. They what? got better. <laughs> he killed himself. I mean, I would take that as an answer if throughout the movie we're, we weren't constantly proven that de- dying doesn't really have any effect of, uh, of whether you can be the sacrifice or not in this movie. Well, yeah, but you can't hold a demon if you're dead. That's why Charlie was holding the demon throughout the movie until she died. I guess that's true. It's that, that's going to actually bring me up another question a little later on. So I'm just going to put a pin in it for a second. So we, we get a lot of exposition from Annie understanding that she was very estranged from her mom and her mom is probably like a seen from what we heard a very difficult woman to live with. One thing I found strange though, was that she was put in like hospice for a while and she only recently lived with them like right before she passed away yeah which if you look at some of the photos it looks like when she was in hospice she was with joan right and then at some point they were convinced to have her come back with her with annie tony collette which almost makes it seem like all of that once again was outside of their control and sort of what Joan and the rest of this cult were kind of forcing on them. By the way, you don't know as the audience that it's a cult until you're well into the movie. Yeah, you get some signs maybe like halfway in. Um, one thing that I think really adds to the tension and the like the kind of the ominous feeling of this movie is the way it's shot. You know, like kind of these long establishing shots that are kind of of nothing. And then obviously the music with it. 
But one thing I found cool is like, you know, there's this whole miniature motif specifically with the opening shot kind of going into Peter's room and then coming like alive and being like real life. And all of it is shot kind of like it's looking at a miniature house. Right. And like specifically one of the places that they shoot the most is like the front door to the stairs. Right. And the way that's shot each time and like so much like shit happens there, I think is really cool. And like really adds to like the tension you feel in the movie. I'm trying to remember. Can you give me an example of stuff that happens there? Her chasing him up the stairs. Him running down, him walking down the stairs. Oh, just like, so much movement. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Even yeah, when well, her and her husband walk down the stairs to burn the book. Yeah, I guess a lot does happen on those staircases. Well, and the whole thing kind of looked like the whole thing was shot on a soundstage and it looks like it, right? Like it, all of the the way everything is shot, it doesn't, it like especially those shots too where like the one that it really comes to mind is where uh tony collette and gabriel byrne are like the husband and wife are kind of walking together down the stairs and like walking into the living room deciding to burn the book which by the way when you stopped at oh they're deciding whether or not to burn the book and then i watched from there on was amazing i was like oh he's in for a treat Oh my God. I, I thought it was so funny because you stopped at the 23. Uh, all right. I, I'm going to just tell the audience real quick. It's available on Canopy and we had to take turns watching it because we both have different kind of schedules. And so, yes. Uh, but when you uh, got off at the 23 minute marker where Charlie is like, Put, putting like a bird's head on top of a matchbox or some sh- weird shit like that. Uh, yeah, just kid stuff. Yeah. Literally less than 15 minutes later, she gets decapitated. And when I knew you started watching it again, I just watched the clock and I was like, five minutes have gone by, 10 minutes have gone by, and now. <laughs> Well, it's funny though, is like you and I both knew that the decapitation happened in the movie. It was something that was ruined for both of us, I guess. But for me, I knew it was. Everyone. And, uh, and I was just happy that it happened earlier in the movie. If that was like the big reveal, that would have like really ruined it for me. But yeah, I don't know. I, I guess that would have been much more shocking not knowing it was going The thing is when you were like, oh, you, you see it coming from a mile away, you're like, yeah, you really fucking do. Like yeah, they it's don't mile marker. It. <laughs> it's the mile mile away that he was going on the road. Well, and they show the pole with that symbol on it, and you're like, Oh, okay. Like they pan in on that symbol on the grandmother's necklace, and then you see it several other places, and then you see it on that pole, and you're just like, All right, shit's happening. Well, okay, so that's that's another big question. Um and I guess we can just jump around a little bit here. Who put that symbol on that pole? Did someone plant that pole there? Like, what, what's up with that? That one, I don't know. I mean, it's not like you could. You In a could, million years, you could not guess that she's going to go to a party, eat chocolate cake. The chocolate cake is going to have nuts in it. She's going to go in anaphylactic shock. He has to rush her to the hospital. He's going to take that road at that speed. And she's going to stick her head out the window at that moment no well, and way. and that he would swerve off the road instead of the other side there's no car coming he could have easily swerved in the left lane he swerves off the road yeah makes no sense so how 
Yeah, no, I think that's just that's just kind of a movie making thing. I mean, maybe he has ex- some explanation, but I don't get it. Um, you know what? To me, when I first watched this, I was I was so focused on how fucking weird Charlie was, and it was like I couldn't get over it. I was like, first of all, how old is she? Because I don't understand. <laughs> like, because they have her, they they have her look like the makeup and stuff they have on her, like makes her look like older yet younger. Um, what I thought was interesting is that, you know, everyone is semi-normal, I guess, in the family when this starts out with, like, they're all sleeping in their own beds, at least, except her, and she's sleeping on the ground in the treehouse. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's almost and like the- she's uh, this wild creature. I, it's very weird. Right. And the father's like, you know, that's how you get pneumonia. And she's like, that's okay. And I just wrote down, I was like, wow, she's fucking weird. And, but then at the end, it all makes sense that she had this demon in her from the beginning. And if you probably watch it again, it's all just like, you know, it, it, it might make a lot more sense. But I was just like, so it was like, not didn't take me out, but I was just like, this character's so weird. I don't understand what's happening with it. Um, spoiler alert. I will never be watching this movie ever again. Well, you might put it on a random, <laughs> random Tuesday. Yeah, just um, a, just a, a filler. Back to, the, back to the funeral real quick, though. One thing that really stuck out to me is the, and I wrote it down, the, the Tony Collette is like, you know, my mom was such a very private person. She had private rituals and private friends. And I was like, rituals? Like friends? Well, but the rituals things is so, it's such a specific word and it's usually used for like satanic occult thing. Like other people have rituals, but like the connotation of it. I think when it's within a family, it would be called traditions. When it's in like a religion, it's called a ritual. And I think what would have been interesting is if the difference between a tradition and a ritual and how those are kind of played throughout the movie. Like, oh, we're having dinner every Sunday. That's a family tradition. Oh, we're going to skin Bethany alive. That's a fucking ritual. Put on your, put on your, uh, your cloaks. <laughs> um, and also you pointed this out to me and I noticed it too. I didn't notice most of it, but I did notice the one creepy dude staring at the daughter as, uh, at, uh, Charlie, as she's like walking past the casket. And I was just like, what is up with that guy? Um, so, uh, funny about that is that there's actually a lot of hints before, uh, it's fully, fully revealed to us that it is like a, a lot of people and this cult contains a lot of people. There are small hints throughout the movie uh, that reveal that. So when we get to those parts, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what those parts are, but I'm going to keep it a secret for now. Okay. And so after the funeral, we kind of get a little bit of the home life. And one thing I noticed too is like, how distant Annie is from her kids versus how like controlling the dad is. Yeah. And also I misread the obituary. So I thought he was a stepdad for the whole movie until like, like we were getting like, I was probably 30 minutes, 45 minutes in the movie. I was like, okay, I must've just misread it. You know, what's odd though that you say that is that he acts like a stepdad. Like there's this connection between her and Charlie and her and Peter. And it's like, I, it, for me, it's the way they act together. It's believable for me that they're a family, but he is so 
distant from everyone else in the family. Who? The father. Uh, he's distant from his wife, but she acts distant from everyone. You know, and so it, it's kind of interesting because we later on find out that like the grandma really took care of Charlie. Um, you know, she even asks her mom who will take care of her and the mom just sort of scoffs at it. Um, but like the mom and the dad are so kind of like, the, the dad cares a lot about Charlie and Peter because he's like constantly like asking them to do things kind of like a father does of like clean your room. Why are you sleeping out inside? Get ready for your grandma's funeral. Um, but the mom, you know, it's funny. She sees that Charlie has Satan-y carved in her wall. And instead of like looking up, what the fuck is that? She instead just adds it to like one of her miniatures later on. And I'm just like, looks an awful lot like Satan to me. Um. <laughs> Oh, satin. She's getting into sewing. How wonderful of her. Um, the, but that's what I kind of mean is the father is a very authoritative figure the way kind of a, a, a stepfather would be. What I mean by that is that usually in movies, stepfathers have just an authority role and not really an emotional role towards their stepkids. And that's what I felt like towards him is that he was authority, but not the emotional part of that relationship. Um, right. The other thing that I kind of, I wrote down, I wrote down so many notes because I was like, I don't know what's going to be important or not, but <laughs> everything. <laughs> no. Yeah, there is probably if I went back and watched, I just didn't have the time, but um, the mom brings up that Charlie never cried as a baby or now she never cries. And that leads me to believe that she has had the demon in her from like basically out of the womb almost. I think you're supposed to believe that. Now you say that the grandmother takes care of Charlie, but the funny thing is, and I don't know if you purposely glossed over this, but you, it's revealed that the grandmother breastfed Charlie. Yeah. Which I, is weird, David. Oh, is it? Yes. I don't yes, know if if your wife's mother ever came over to to volunteer why do you, to <laughs> why do you, why do you stop using real world examples right now stop <laughs> I um no it is weird it's also interesting too and this gets like throughout the heart of the movie it, it goes all the way to the end but it seemed like the end game was to get Peter and Tony Collette was like oh you know I kept Peter away from her um. But then I basically had to have another and she kind of took Charlie from me. Um, and it's like, why, why did this cult allow her to keep Peter from them? <laughs> I'm so confused by that because, okay, so this is where a majority of my questions lie. Why is the demon in Charlie the second born and not Peter the first born? Because I think usually if you go about this thing, it would make more sense if like, she had a baby. It ended up being a girl. The demons don't like girls. It had to be a male. So therefore the se you see what I'm saying? So it's kind of weird on like, well, then if Charlie was born with a demon inside of her and her grandmother noticed this, why wasn't Peter? Uh, Annie says that she kept Peter away. Says she purposely kept her mother away from her. And I mean, but you do learn from Joan that they did need like some inroads. Like they needed her to say all this gobbledygook to get to, you know, to allow King payment or whatever to be in the house. Right. So they sort of had to 
it's almost like he's a vampire. Like you have to let him in in order for them to then kind of take over. So maybe it's just the fact that she had such a bad relationship with her mother at the time that, you know, they were just like, all right, let's move on to Charlie. I guess maybe, maybe it had something to do with the breastfeeding. Maybe, maybe, I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, the, the movie is called hereditary and I'm guessing it is because maybe this family has been in this cult for generations. And this is something that gets passed down, say from the uncle Charles who killed himself now to Charlie, the daughter. And then I guess at the end of the movie, Peter, right. Um, it's like it's like a genetic disease, but it's <laughs> that relatable moment when your genetic disease is a demon. Right. Um, so next in the movie is the part that like was the first creepy part to me where you see the grandmother in the um in the corner. And it's like right after Annie finds like a very weird kind of apology note. I was trying to find it on the internet real quick to read it. Cause I know there's probably something important in there. Um, but. It, oh, I remember what it says. Go on. Um, it says something. I mean, not verbatim. I'm not <laughs> rain man, but it says something along the lines of, I'm sorry for the things that we've had to do in this family, but our sacrifice or the the rewards of our sacrifice will paramount the sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? I get it. Yeah, yeah sacrifice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, well, yeah, I mean that all makes sense. I knew there had to be something that I just like. I it's one of those things I couldn't I couldn't keep track of everything. the The biggest thing about that though is she's going through this box, and that's where she finds the note. But there's all these books, and another thing that is hard to keep track of is that we see she's wearing this necklace with this very specific symbol. The books are embossed. The cover, the leather binding of these books are embossed with that symbol. Um, and I guess movie reasons, she goes through like three books, but does not go through the one with the, the symbol on it. Well, I mean, she hasn't been keeping track of it, I guess. And she, it wasn't like put in front of her face the way it was put in front of our face. Of um, course and that not. is, that is like the real symbol for King Payman, like the demon King Payman. So, oh, like the real, real? Yeah, the yeah, the real guy, the real dude, the real, the real circa, deal. Circa eighteen fifty. Um, and also, as you say, the miniatures. If 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 it weren't for the ending, the miniatures might be part of the like some of the creepiest parts of this because you get the miniature of her mom with just the tit out showing her how to breastfeed, which is like one of the creepiest ones. Like Tony, it's a miniature of Tony Collette breastfeeding either Peter or Charlie. And then the miniature of her mom standing over the bed with her breast out, like showing her how to do it. It's like, oh my God. Uh, so that, I mean, that's kind of how we know for sure because we're hinted at it, right? And she says something like, oh, my grandmother wanted to take care of her even when I couldn't. Or my mother wanted to take care of Charlie even when I couldn't. And then we see the miniature with her with her breast out and that's how i picked up oh by taking care of her it's like really taking care of her breastfeeding and all um the other thing too is that the the miniatures like you mentioned she sees something changes in her house and she matches it to the miniature to the miniature um and what was really uncomfortable with that 
is do you remember that scene where she like wakes up and she sees her mom in the doorway but then it's a reverse dolly shot that goes over her shoulder and so you're actually looking inside the dollhouse okay of the bedroom door frame and she put her mom there so it it was made to look like her mom was really in the door frame of the bedroom but then the the way the camera moves it was actually within the mini miniature uh, okay yeah i don't exactly remember that but yeah that sounds sounds cool <laughs> i must have missed it um the next day uh, we're, we're we're now at the next day at school where she's this is once again if you don't know how this ends you're just like why is this fucking kid just playing with a toy in the middle of class as like a teacher standing over her like just hasn't even turned over her quiz and it's because payment doesn't take quizzes oh is that why not about it um and then the bird flies into the window and charlie immediately like looks at the scissors just like what is going on here like why is this happening well, okay, so now we're going to assume that payment is in Charlie and they, she, he has been for a while, right? And so at the end of the movie, it's like this effigy is being built. But like Charlie on her off time likes to build little effigies. Yeah. Out of real animal parts. But she needs them to kill themselves apparently. She can't do it. She has to find the dead animals. That's actually very reminiscent of what happens at the end of the movie. Yes, it is. Um, but I also find, so then after we get this little scene with Charlie, we get a little scene with Peter. And I love, I, the teacher is like, what is the, is just saying, talking about, I think it's English. And he says, what is uh, the fatal flaw? And Peter is staring at the girl's ass in front of him, which is funny is because he was so concerned about that girl at the party that's what got his sister killed instead of like watching over her to make sure she didn't eat fucking cake he was trying to get laid um okay we're gonna jump to the party real quick how anxiety ridden did you get when you saw about a million walnuts being chopped up in the kitchen well i was like i didn't even it honestly i didn't even think about it but i i thought she had a peanut allergy but i guess she had a nut allergy yeah, just like an all-around nut allergy. Yeah. I actually thought they were going to be weed brownies, which is why she was like, I don't feel like she was started drinking a ton of water. And I was like, oh, okay, she got, she got like that dry mouth going already. <laughs> she ate a, a lot of that cake. That's the family drama script that you're thinking of before the <laughs> right. occult thing. You got your sister high? <laughs> she just she starts freaking out and she starts seeing all this shit because she's so high but it's it's not even happening so then and then charlie at school is cutting this bird's head off with the scissors she stole Normal. and then there's just a woman staring at her from across the street which makes no sense until you've watched the entire movie also normal yeah absolutely i guess this is a good time to bring up joan as any because like, okay, so I don't know if you quite grasped the time jumps in this, uh, in this movie, but Annie, I guess, is embarrassed to say that she's going to grief counseling to her husband. So she always says, hey, I'm going to the movies. And um, instead of going to the movies, she goes to this like 
youth center dedicated for grief counseling at like at night and um she first goes because you know the death of her mom and then later on in the movie once charlie dies she goes or she attempts to go again and that's where we meet joan but the conversation there was like, hey, I haven't seen you in a couple months. Or it's like, it's been a couple months since I've been to this thing. Did you get that a couple months have passed between that and then? I don't know. I don't think it mattered. Didn't bother you? No, not at all. I mean, yeah, nothing changed. It wouldn't have mattered if it was a day. It probably would have seemed more unrealistic if she died a day later. Although the, the occult is taking care of everything. So maybe it was realistic. If, if, uh, if they they are so efficient. Like if most things work the way they worked, we would get a lot of shit done. And by the way, the reason um, it's not explained in the movie, but there was a, there was um, a scene or a line cut that would have explained why she was lying to her husband. So he actually has professional experience like dealing with mental illness. And she, the original idea was that she was his patient and then they started dating and had kids. So which which makes the rest of it make so much more sense the way he deals with her the way how at the end he's like we need to call the police you need mental help i can't keep playing into your games anymore like all that makes so much more sense when when you think about he was you know he was her doctor her her mental health doctor i mean okay i i would have liked that i felt like uh, and oh that would be so cool right because he's a therapist but she doesn't want to go to him and he feels like slided because it's like why don't you just go to me yeah i like that i'm sad like, they didn't put that it's in like there. garden state i haven't seen garden state oh wow um so yeah we're now at the point uh he gets a call that the cemetery that the grave has been desecrated and she's like oh i need to go see a movie apparently he doesn't like to go see movies with her so I know, she, she knows that, that he weird. doesn't like movies i guess um so she goes to this grief meeting and then we get a ton of like information. Her mom had like what a dissociative identity disorder. The dad killed himself as a, as when she was a baby, which probably the mom, the grandma killed the dad so that she could control this baby. What was weird about that is that she opens that up with, he died of starvation and then it's like, oh, were they really poor? And then a second later, she elaborates by saying he starved himself to death. Yeah, yeah, right. And then the uh, the brother had schizophrenia and like they were said that the mom was trying to put people in him, which is once again, obviously the first time that they tried to put King Payman in, uh, in her brother, Charles. And uh, there is this thing about how King Payman like prefers a male host that they talk about. Um, and then she talks about how like, oh, I kept my son from my mom, but not Charlie. Like, I just have to ask you, could you imagine being at this meeting, listening to this and be like, I, I, I just imagine everyone who was not from the cult that was there was just like, holy shit, my life is not that bad. Okay. Since you said that, I believe the movie was full of people from the cult. And we are not supposed to know that. Yeah, no. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, 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 you could imagine that maybe that entire, that entire room was filled with people from the cult, right? 
Like it could have, they could have all been, but they still all looked really fucking awkward. <laughs> They're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Well, and there, and there are certain points where she paused and you thought, Oh, maybe she's done, <laughs> but no one else wanted to talk. And then she just went on more and more. Um, sure. So now we get to the party scene where, and I got to tell you, I don't, I don't understand that. I mean, this goes to show you that Tony Collette's character just doesn't give a shit about her kids that she just wants Charlie gone so bad that she's going to let her what 17 year old son take her 13 year old son or 13 year old daughter to a, to a party, which it's not really called a party, but we like wink, wink. She knows it's a party too. Cause she's like, is there going to be drinking there? And he's like, I don't know. I'm not going to drink. She's like, you know, that's not what I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, cause he says it's a school barbecue, but you don't think she bought it. She asks, she immediately asks if there's going to be drinking. I just think, once again, I don't think she cares about these kids that much. You know, she's got her own shit she's dealing with, but I just, like, she definitely doesn't care that much about Peter. And, like, she doesn't really seem to care that much about Charlie until Charlie dies. Okay, so she's like, go, go to the fucking party. It's so weird how Peter isn't, like, very against this. Like, he's, he's a pothead. He's going to go there, meet girls, and get high. And he's like, yeah, I can totally bring my little sister and she won't rat on me and this is completely normal well first of all king payman would not have ratted on him if she had lived he oh, she had lived king payman ain't no snitch he's not no king payman will purposely eat nut cake so that he can get a better host though <laughs> what do you uh what do you think about peter's game of first like a joke or two and like this isn't going very well I've got like really good weed. You know what? I actually like his, his game. Um, I thought it was really smooth when he, cause this is something I would totally do or I've done and, and it works right. Is where he's like, Oh, how's the party? And she kind of dismisses him by being like, Oh, are you thinking of coming? And then he's like, Yeah. Like if you, if, if it's no, no, I, the playing along with what, with her kind of cutting back joke at him is good. Yeah. But, but then he's just like, I got nothing else. I got really good weed. <laughs> well, in high school, I've never had really good weed. So I wouldn't know. I doubt Peter had really good weed too. The uh, second question, if Charlie's not there, does he score that night? Uh, he scores something that night. <laughs> it's, 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 it's not good though. First base, second base. Yeah, I don't know. I um, I don't know. She seemed to be pretty into him, especially when he's like his body gets all fucked up in class later on, and she's just like really like you know freaked out by it. I don't know. She seemed like there was a little extra like she was into him. She was just really impressed how flexible he was. Right, the way his the way his wrist bent. Um. Now let's talk about that for a second. Not not the not. Sorry. Back at the party. Um, one, one thing I actually liked in such a small detail in the grand scheme of things, but it's when he was talking about his sister, right? And she said, the hot girl says, oh, is that your sister down there? And he's like, yeah. She goes, she drew me and she made me look, not my words, but the films, fucking retarded, right? And he's like, yep, yeah, she does. The, that's yeah, Charlie. She does. She and then that. and then the guy a random ass guy on the other side of the room goes is your sister hot 
<laughs> yeah, it just he just lets that go. Now that part was great. That's <laughs> <laughs> like that's the f- objectively the funniest part in the movie. And then we get uh, the scene. The scene happens. It's horrible. Do we have to talk about it? You know, it's based on a it's based on a true story. Of course, it is. The uh, a kid was driving his friend home. Was driving drunk, swerved. Kid's head got taken off. The kid was so drunk he drove home, got out of his car, and went to bed. Thinking his friend was like right behind him, or fell asleep. He was in the just. Back, so, what or? do you mean he was drunk? What do you mean he didn't think anything? He was. Wasted. I've been. I've been drunk. Okay, but here's the thing. I've been drunk. I've even been. I've even blacked out. But if I blacked out, I wouldn't have been able to drive but i've never been so drunk on the brink of blacking out that i don't remember driving someone home i've never been in that alan there's over seven billion people in the world your experiences aren't everyone's experiences it's a true story it happened what do you want me to do we'll cut this part out so what would what would you have done because i was telling taylor about this movie and Alex Wolf's decision to just go home and go to bed. And I'm thinking like putting myself in that kind of situation. I don't know if I would have done anything different because there's not anything you could do at that point. No, you no, Yeah. You would call the cops and you would call your parents and you would let them find out from you rather than finding your little sister's, decapitated body that's what she would do yeah but if i was in that much shock then i can't i can't say rationally what i would do okay well just prepare yourself (laughs) if the worst happens to not do what he did um and as i mentioned to you before yeah the decapitation scene is pretty bad but i think the next morning when you can hear Annie and her husband going about their morning regular and then she goes to her car. Yeah. And the scream. Well, and then you see a quick snippet of the, the head covered in ants. I thought that was actually pretty cool. I thought whoever prop designed that did a very good job. When I was telling you this before we started recording that they built a whole, like not really animatronic, I guess, but just a whole, really lifelike looking dummy that was prepared, you know, that they prepared just for the scene and that it's, it looked so gruesome that they only used like a couple like split seconds from it for the actual movie, um, which I appreciate. One thing about this, that about this film that really levitates, levitates, elevates, that really elevates this from like being a horror movie to being a really good horror movie is the sound design. And I think, you know, it's in the scene where she gets beheaded, you see it happen. It's very quick and it's dark. So you don't see the blood and you don't see a lot of detail in it. But the sound that it makes when her body hits the pole is so like, I've never heard of a, of a head hitting a pole at like, 80 miles an hour before but if i did i would imagine that's exactly what it would sound like it didn't sound like it took the head off it honestly sounded like it just sort of like broke the neck um when i was when i was watching it when i heard it 
but yeah, no, it was fucking gross. And and then right after this though, and I said this before, but it's like it obviously if it's you know hopefully any parent of a child would feel the same way losing a child, but it just didn't seem like Annie liked Charlie that much, and her reaction was like she was broken from it. She even screams like it hurts too much. I need to die. Um, but she just didn't seem to care about her kids. Okay, so she hates her kids. Let's let's go on that line. The the fact that she has this sleepwalking problem that in an undetermined amount of years before, she almost lit her and her both kids on fire with paint thinner and a match. Which if you cover yourself in paint thinner, like the whole room is filled with the fumes of paint thinner and you light a match anywhere in that room, there's like a 90% chance that you do not have time to put it out. I don't know. And it's crazy. She wakes herself up by lighting the match. I think the crazier thing is telling a stranger about it. Was that Joan? That was Joan. Let's talk about Joan. We're not to Joan yet. How are we not to Joan yet? I don't know. What I don't understand is then the kids like Peter goes straight back to school. I would not go back to school that year. But that's what I'm talking about. I think there was a time jump. Well, you don't know for that part. You know between her mom's death and she tries to go back to the grief counselor or the grief meeting where she meets Joan has been at least two months. So you don't know. That's fine. I I think two months, even if it was the entire two months, even if Charlie died the day after the funeral, I wouldn't have gone back to school that quickly if I fucking killed my sister. You know what's impressive is no one is really treating him differently. The fact that he just killed his sister. And uh, those are some really good friends he has. Well, one of them's in the cult, so. What? One of the kids that he smokes weed with under the bleacher has a very distinct man bun that you can see in the final scene worshiping him when he has the crown on. What? Yeah. Holy shit, you picked up on a on a cult Easter egg that I missed. I read it. Oh. Um, and also, too, like the relationship between... First of all, this speaks to their relationship, but it also like the motif of the miniatures and stuff. Peter comes home and is standing in front of his house, like doesn't want to go in, doesn't want to face this like reality, right? And then you see the mom like hiding in the car, but she like is frozen, right? Like kind of like one of the miniatures just doesn't move. Then finally Peter goes in and then she almost like comes to life and like takes off. But just like their relationship at that point is like so... It was already broken, obviously, from what we find out, but just like how broken it is in that moment. Um, that's the family drama part before the horror. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, so you're saying in the family drama, Charlie gets I don't, be- I, beheaded anyways? I don't know. Um, okay, so now she meets Joan? Yeah, the only thing I would say is before that is we get her sleeping in the in the treehouse where Charlie used to sleep. But yeah, now we meet Joan. Um, I got bad vibes from Joan immediately because Joan wouldn't let her leave and Joan was very pushy. And then Joan had to like top her story about, oh, wow, your 13-year-old died. My seven-year-old grandson died. Seven months. Seven years old. 
Eh, I thought it was seven months, but that's fine. It's it's tragic. No, but not only her grandson died, her son died, and apparently they both drowned on the same day. Yep. How unfortunate, but also is that story even true? It's not true, Alon. It's clearly not true. Um now what I found interesting about her first conversation when we meet Joan and she's saying like, Oh, I thought I saw you here a couple of months ago. How are you doing that? And she's like, Oh, well, my mom died. And that's why I came back. And now, or that's why I went in the first place. And then I came back because my daughter died. And she didn't say my daughter died. She said, my daughter was murdered. And then she like took a second and like looked within herself. Like, did I just say that? And because all the blame in her mind is on her son. And she fully believes that her son murdered her daughter. Well, there's also the idea that the cult kind of like made it happen. So her saying murdered is like, you know, there were people who were responsible, like in a premeditated way. I don't care what you say, David. There's no way anyone could have made that happen in that way. Well, that's what Ari Aster says, so. Ari Aster says that that was not an accident. His exact quote was, that was not as much of a freak accident as it might seem when you're watching it for the first time. I call bullshit, but that's fine. I guess every director's allowed. You, you can talk to him. Um, and so after she leaves Joan, she comes home, and this is more of the family drama where she's like, oh, I'm just going to be gone for a second. And the husband's like, you're taking the fucking blanket. Like, no, you're not coming. I know you're not coming back. Um, and then right after this, we get, so Peter's room faces the treehouse, and the yeah. red, like, heat lamp lights, like, light up his room. Yeah. And the shot of those, like, hitting his eye as he's staring out the window, I think is really cool. And it's also just like the fact that he has to live with like what he did and like stare it right in the eye. Um, you know, it's definitely like one of those shots where the director's like, I, I got something here. If you look at the way the treehouse is built, because now I'm thinking who built that treehouse in the first place? Because if you look at the shape of it, it's very uh, reminiscent of a, of a church. Um, and it's also... Okay, you remember the barn in Midsommar and how like just very um, uh, purposeful it is like in shape and size? That's what the treehouse reminds me of. It's just very purposeful in its shape and size. It kind of looks like a chapel? Yeah, kind of. Or just, it's just not like your normal, you know, four walls and a ceiling treehouse. It kind of exactly was four walls and a ceiling, though. <laughs> sure. Okay. Everything, I guess, is four walls and a ceiling if you break it down. But I'm saying just the it's it's the shape is very like religious esque. No, yeah, yeah. It looks like a chapel. Um, the next scene is when Annie goes to see Joan, and she immediately is like, looks at the down at the welcome mat, and she's like, "Oh, my mom used to make mats exactly like this." I was like, "Motherfucker, Joan! I knew you! I knew it! I knew it!" And then we talked earlier about how her describing the accident, she describes the accident to, to Joan. And then she tells her about the sleepwalking thing where she almost burned her two children alive. And I was like, 
Who fucking just tells that to a stranger? And if this wasn't a cult member, she would have called the police on you like immediately. <laughs> She's like, this woman is a like attempted murderer. Don't tell uh, people that story. What? Don't tell people the story that you've almost murdered your children. No, of course not. I, I don't know, man. And you know what's weird? Is this when she goes to her house? It is, right? Yeah, the first time she goes to Jen's place. Um, I do not remember the scene. I don't... Man, I must have not been paying attention or something because I don't remember this scene because the next thing I remember with Joan is the seance or well she meets her in like the parking lot of Michael's or something yeah I want to talk about that the um but really quickly so she she's at Joan's house she tells her this really fucking like two awful stories in a row and Joan sticks around which is why you know Joan is trouble because no one everyone's like all right time for you to leave (laughs) (laughs) had enough crazy for one day but she goes home, uh, she's doing a miniature of the accident, and her husband walks in, he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's right. That's a healing process, David. That's when I felt really bad for the husband. I was like, man, he has to just deal with this shit. But he's sleeping with his patients, so fuck him, I guess. Um, and then the dinner scene is, like, really, really good. Like, the dinner scene would have been good in any movie, um, but it re- works really well in here. So yeah, the dinner scene was great. Um, I I think she got awarded or nominated for something because of that performance specifically at that dinner scene. Uh, yeah, she didn't get nominated for an Oscar, but maybe something. She probably got nominated for several other things. I mean, she is definitely the big takeaway from this. She's great in it. Um, and I do like that Peter at least stands up for himself and is like, hey, what about you? Like, you need to take some responsibility for this, which is a little fucked up. But also Peter's like, you know, I, you know, I've been dealing with this. You clearly like can't even look at me anymore. So I'm going to make you hurt just like I'm hurt. And then the husband, once again, just has to fucking deal with this. Yeah. Well, I think uh, you would say that if you're following the patterns of grief, this is where the anger comes out. It does. Yes. Um, I like her thing about how no one in her family holds themselves accountable for anything and including her, I guess. Although I, it, it's unclear if she's aware that she's part of the problem. Do you think so? Uh, that she doesn't recognize she's part of the problem. But she says no one in this family can be, can, can, hold themselves accountable for anything that they do and i think she's really talking to peter at this point but do you think she's like kind of talking about herself too or do you think she's i think she's i think she's ignorant i think she's unaware that she's like that she's part of the problem yeah so next we get to where and you can tell from annie's like reaction when she's like she's like why the fuck is joan here she gives this like weird look over to the side um and she sees Joan, and then Joan just goes in about seances. She's like, I know that there were several scientists there and skeptics, and just like, I didn't believe it either. Okay, she sells, so... She sells it really well. First of all, uh, that's bullshit. 
Uh, there was no pre-seance that convinced Joan, but it, you're right. She does sell it very well. She like fabricates the story about like, oh my God, I did this for the very first time. And then she's like, you should come over to my house because I, I know how to do this very well now. I'm a master of seance. Um, although when they were in the parking lot and, and Annie does give her a weird look, she tries to play it off and she's like, oh, Joni. And Joan goes in for a hug. I knew because that hug lasted a very uncomfortable amount of time, I knew Joan was fucked in the head. Yeah, I think I had suspected a lot earlier than that. Uh, one thing that I missed that I read, though, is the you know how in the seance she uses a chalkboard for her fake grandson? Mm-hmm. That chalkboard is in the back of Joan's car in the package in the packaging, like visible in the movie. <laughs> so she like just bought it for that purpose. And she's like, oh, this is my grandson's chalkboard. He used to use it all the time. Everything she said though, like if you like, I think Annie just wanted to believe her because she wanted to find a friend in her. But if you really listen to her like lingual syntax like the way she spoke was very it felt like she was reading it from a script almost yeah and she kind of she spoke like a believer right she spoke like someone and which is because she's in this cult right she's like a believer and she's someone who kind of has that ability to talk like that um i guess what i mean by that is like she's like um uh like like very fast talking like like almost like a like a like you said it earlier like a salesman right like um this is my grandson's chalkboard and he doesn't really use it you know he really used it when he was a kid and so you have to have this thing and and it has to be relevant to their their uh life and now we're going to use it like this and it was just everything was just so like bum 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 and it felt like all the emotion that was put into it was fake emotion, like fake empathy and fake things. And I was like, I guess that's just credit to how good this actress is to purposefully be a bad actress. I thought that was cool. Uh, yeah, it was definitely, it was over the top, right? It was definitely I, like... I guess that's what I'm getting to. It's over the top. Yeah. And uh, another thing that I missed, and I guess you missed too, is that before this, there was, um, there's a shot of mail being put in the, through the door. I saw that. Yeah. And at first, you just take it to me. I was like, oh, that's just showing like, you know, life is, things are piling up. Life is passing them by a little bit. They're like, because they've been dealing with a lot. But one of the things put on top was a pamphlet for a, a medium. And so when that didn't work, they like had to use Joan. Oh shit. Fuck. Crazy. And then like, because you hadn't seen this movie before, like Joan's like, Oh, I went to a seance. And then we go back to her house and she's immediately doing one. And I was just so confused. Cause you don't know what's going on in this movie. It's like, how the fuck does she, she can just do seances now? Like I was so confused. And then it like starts working and like the glass moves 
and then the chalkboard starts moving and like the chalkboard is writing something and you're just like holy shit and then the hair the hair moving on annie i was like oh man that would freak me out too and annie's just like i have to get out of here and joan's practically stuffing things in her hands as she's like running out the door yeah um how how do i how do i say this clearly and concisely she doesn't have a grandson she doesn't have a grandson that drowned and yet the demon was smart enough to write i love you grandma on the thing as a mislead yeah they they worship this guy they're working in concert with him to get him a body they're like the, they're okay. his disciples okay but i like okay, okay. how is, is this the part that he's like oh that he could like follow along with the plan you're like uh, i don't know i don't know because in every other like demonic seance ouija board fucking thing in movies every like take the exorcist for example right everything is like vague and up for interpretation and you can't really clearly, you know, messages through the other side come in unclear and broken and abstract. And this is just so, like, perfectly laid out and planned and everything like that. I mean, the handwriting wasn't that great, though. This can only have been done if Charlie had died. If Charlie was alive, then there wouldn't have been anyone to seance, right? Well, that's supposed to, I think you're supposed to assume that's King Payment whatever his name is but if king payman was inside charlie correct yeah yeah but they're they were trying to kill charlie now whether you think it's too coincidental that this is the way she died you can think of it as you know they're trying to get her killed and this just coincidental like if this hadn't have worked they would have done something else right maybe they just wanted her to choke on the nuts but the plan was for her to die so that they could get him into peter because he was like this fucking model not happy with it needs something better (laughs) um okay i'll i'll accept that i'm i'm slowly accepting that the pole was placed there purposefully i guess i mean it's it it's definitely what the movie was going for it's just like whether you buy it as even possible like the fact that the symbol is on that pole that's what the movie's going for maybe they maybe the cult members drew the symbol on the pole after the accident no, it was it was on the shot going to the party. Going to the party? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's how I'm thinking it. They worked in tandem with King Payman, and King Payman knew that if he had the nuts, he would go into anaphylactic shock. Anaphylactic shock would lead to be speeding down the highway, and then purposely stuck his neck out right at the right moment. The thing that I still don't believe is Peter swerving at the right moment that's the that's the thing that you are not going to convince me right now yeah i mean we've we've beaten this dead charlie to death i think we can move on from it i'm not going to convince you dead charlie horse yeah so also last thing uh, and you talk about jones like bad overacting but she's like you didn't kill her annie she isn't gone yeah bravo Why didn't Joan get an Oscar nom? Let me tell you. Oh, man. Um, Okay, so she immediately uh, goes back to the house and wants to put on a seance for her whole family. 
Yeah, but I messaged you immediately when it happened. Like the tongue popping thing in the car as Annie's driving home. And then I think it happens once when Peter's driving or something. Oh my God. Peter, Peter's asleep in the bed and it happens. And then, yeah. But so, so yeah. Yep. So uh, Annie goes home. She goes to sleep. She's actually sleeping in her hus- with her husband once for once. Um, and there's just ants all over her. And then she goes into her son's room and there's ants all over him. And then he apparently wakes up and she was just imagining these ants. And then they have this argument about how she never wanted to be his mother and it wasn't my fault and you tried to kill me. And then like it pans back and forth and they're both soaking wet with paint thinner. So I thought that was really cool because at first they were dry as the desert, right? And then as as the scene moved on, at one point they just were soaking wet. And I, and then, um, so I thought that was a cool detail. And then the, the fire started and then she actually woke up. Yep. Um, well, and this is then I think when we wake up now, she's like, she's doing the seance, right? She goes into the closet and starts doing like incantation or whatever. Like she immediately jumps into like wanting to do that part. And then let me ask you, is this before? The hands grab Peter in his bed? Uh, yeah. Yes, okay. Okay. I think so. Um, so they wake up, they do the seance, glass moves, something breaks, candle explodes with light. Um, all pretty, really cool practical effects. Um, real quick, like breaking off from the movie. So I read Ari Aster wanted everything that could be practical to be practical. That's so awesome. Like the, the stuff that they created, like the like the the candle exploding and then lighting, was kind of like exploding, it's like an over like hyperbole, like it just like exploded with fire and then came back down as lighting. They had to figure out how to do that, and then for the chalkboard, they had to put a tiny magnet in the piece of chalk, and then have a magnet underneath to write the "I love you, Grandma." I dig it. So it wasn't King Payment, it was Magnets. Ah, it's always Magnets. Um, I thought what was cool, well, cool is a weird way to put it. Scary? Scary. What was scary was when the stuff on the table was moving and the husband looks under the table. Right. And you hear the growling. Yep. And then that was when Charlie completely took over her mom. Um, but I guess it wasn't really Charlie. It was King Payman. And then she's like yelling for her mom as her mom. And all the while, Peter's freaking out. They're crying like a little bitch. And then the husband goes to the next room. First of all, he must have had that cup of water already filled because there's no way there was enough time to go in the kitchen grab a cup, fill it with water and come back out. He just went in there, came back he's out. Just like, he's just like tapping his foot as the water's filling up from the fridge. Like, come on, come on. <laughs> this should do it. Yeah. I like when he splashes her. She's like, what the hell? It's like. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, it's funny too, is the dogs, like there's just random dogs, multiple dogs, like barking, like in the background from outside. I literally paused my movie to see if it wasn't, my actual outside 
Yeah, and it, it kind of reminded me too because it just makes the scene more tense. It reminded me a little bit of The Exorcist in the beginning in Iraq when there's just like random dogs. And it's like, yeah, it does like, for some reason that just makes things more like, oh God, what's going to happen here? Um, and then Peter's at school the next day and this is like a kind of a really small freaky moment, but he like, he sees the light that his sister used to like see like the refracting light or whatever. And then he looks over into like the glass and the, the, the mirror Id- image smiles at him as he's not smiling. Yeah. That was freaky. Um, when you say his sister used to see, I don't remember Charlie seeing the, the light. It was like one small scene. She was like looking around and saw it. I think it, it was either when she was in school or it was like in her bedroom or something. It just happened oh. like one time. I swear to God, you blink one time in this movie and you miss shit. I know. I was pausing so much to like and rewinding because like, wait, what did I see? Um, that is like, that is definitely a thing in these movies. I even kind of like, I, you know, because I'm easily frightened and this movie was freaking me the fuck out. But I, I even had a rewind a few parts, but with the real freaky parts that I missed, I was like, wait, what just happened? Why is this happening? Oh my God. Why is this happening? I didn't rewind and I was just banking on you to catch it and bring it up. And I was like, I'm sure, I'm sure David saw it. You're welcome. Um, so after this, the mom destroys all the minis husband comes home. He's like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, and then the dad looks over and sees a mini of Peter in bed with his head missing. And I was like, oh, my God, is Peter going to get his head chopped off? Which, spoiler alert, does not happen in this movie. Um, he's one of the few people that gets to keep his head. <laughs> of the family, what, two heads missing, one guy becomes king, one dude burned to death. Three. Three heads missing, one guy becomes king. Uh, Grandma was, de- grandma was dead by the time. The you don't count started. grandma? Well, that's a mistake on you. Um, do not count out grandma. <laughs> do, do not. Um, okay. And then, and then after that, so after that, the dad takes an extra sleeping pill and goes on the couch, which is totally just a setup so that he doesn't wake up and interrupt like the Peter's, Peter has a nightmare and the mom comes in. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. So he takes an extra sleeping pill and sleeps on the couch because Annie wants to burn the book. And when she goes to attempt to throw the book in the fireplace, her sleeve catches on fire. Now, see, this is the part where I missed where he took an extra sleeping pill because I found it really hard to believe that he slept through Annie half catching on fire. But now that you say it, that makes way more sense. Yeah, he pops two pills in his hand, looks at him, takes them, and then he looks back at the bottle pops one more out and takes it. Um, and yeah, I mean, he also could have slept upstairs, right? But this whole thing, I mean, one, they're definitely having a bad marriage right now, but it's all convoluted to allow this stuff to happen and him not get involved. Yeah, true. But so what did you think about the book, her um, uh, Charlie's sketchbook? I think her art kind of sucks. Not a fan. <laughs> I, I um, wish you would stop insulting the characters of this movie. They'll be fun. Um, I, uh, yeah, it was, uh, once again, it was, I, I assume it was practical effects because that's what they're going for. It looked really cool. Um, and then you come up close to it and the mom finds it, but you also see all these pictures of uh, Peter and it looks like his head's about to be torn off is what I expected to see in there. 
Yeah. Um, and this dovetails straight into Peter's dream, which is when it happens, you're like, this is one of the freakier things in the movie, but that's just because you haven't gotten to the last 20 minutes yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's like arms are coming out and they're like strangling him and like trying to take his head off. And then. Well, before that, he saw Charlie in the corner, which is his dead sister. And then her head falls off. And turns into a ball. Yeah, a blue and yellow ball, I believe. A green and black ball. <laughs> Could have been blue and yellow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you disagree with me over things that don't matter. Because I really thought I remembered it as a green and black ball, but you're right, it does not matter. Unless if it's a metaphor. So the mom burns the book, and as she's burning the book, she lights herself on fire. Uh and then she decides she wants to live, so she puts the book out. I like how there's no rules in this like fucking movie. Cause like later on where she tries to burn the book again, she thinks that if she burns the book, it's going to burn her. And, but, but she doesn't think whoever burns the book is going to burn. Like, do you see what I'm trying to say? Because, okay. I no, I understand You don't need to repeat it. Everyone understood what you're saying. Then because of that, she was like husband Okay, fuck. What is the husband's name? Steve. Steve. Fucking Steve. Okay. She's like, Steve, I love you, but I need you to burn this book. And I'm going to die when you burn this book. But I'm okay with that if that saves our son. And he doesn't go through with it. And she throws the book in there. But then there's no rules. It would have made sense. Either way, if she died, but it's Steve that burns alive. And that's just crazy to me how there's absolutely, this demon does not give a shit about what happens. No, he does. He just, Steve's time was done at that point. But the book has no rules. Like you burn the book and then the person who burns the book is supposed to burn or she's supposed to burn, but she doesn't burn. I mean, you just made those rules up in your head and then you're like, you made these rules up in your head and then you're like, why the fuck did this movie not follow the rules I made up in my head? I was, ma- I was making up rules in my head in, in a logical way. You uh, saw but- one example of, way of the way the, the burning book worked. So like, did she. All right. This, yeah, you and her. Well, she, she's got a mental illness, Alon. <laughs> okay, but then explain this. Then explain this. In the beginning, when she was trying to burn the book, why did she catch on fire? Because the book didn't want to be destroyed. Why? What? I don't know why. Because I don't think the book ever came up later on again. It, well, it does. St- I'd say Steve really regrets the book coming up again. Can we move past this? Uh, of course we can. So she goes back to Joan. And I love the reverse dolly shot, as you call it from the inside of Joan's apartment as you like go through it and then over the table and you see a picture and then you see all the fucking weird toys that Charlie used to play with. And I had to rewind it to realize that that was Peter's picture. At first I was like, Oh, I guess that's her grandson's picture. And then I rewound it. I was like, Oh fuck. She doesn't even have a grandson. (laughs) Fucking Joan, man. (laughs) Um, And then you get the shot outside of it as Annie leaves leaves and there's a camera watching her 
Okay. 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 So here's, here's my big moment. Okay. In the backwards dolly shot within Joan's apartment, you start being suspicious of it because it's, it's covered in like these cloths and candles everywhere. And you first see the symbol, dude. Did you see the symbol? Yep. You see the symbol and you see all of Charlie's weird creature shit. And then you see the picture of Peter. Now, when you're out, and now you're like having your oh shit moment. But Annie can't see any of this. Annie's outside the door. No one's answering the door. Because um, I assume this, this is the moment where Joan is heading to hide in the woods behind her house, butt ass naked. That's what I'm guessing. Oh no, she's probably positioning everyone in the treehouse at this point, right? She's 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 probably going to get a sub. Who knows, Alon? It doesn't okay. matter. So the camera, right? So Joan notices the mat, I guess, for the second time, and then finally comes to the realization of like, oh shit, it's not looking like my mom's mat. It is a mat that my mom has made. And and she goes to discover this in the attic about the camera the camera is above the door on the other side of the hallway above someone else's apartment door brings me to my theory that all the members of the cult live in that apartment building kind of like a a sorority or fraternity yeah maybe i'm a hundred percent convinced that that entire building is occupied by that cult member and or members of the cult. And even maybe the building is owned by one of the cult members. I'm a hundred percent convinced that doesn't matter. Matters to me. So she goes back, finds a bunch of pictures of Joan and her mom. And she's like, what the fuck? Um, and as this is happening, Joan is at, Peter's school just screaming at him to get out. <laughs> get out! Now, get out from where? Because then she started saying a bunch of I people. expel you! <laughs> He's like, you don't even work here. She doesn't go here. I like how he was looking around like, like at the other students. Like, is he, like, are, is he melting the shit? Yeah, what the fuck's going on? Why are none of you looking at this? She is very loud. Um, yeah, and then you, like, so uh, also while this is happening, Annie's, like, going through her grandma's, uh, her mom's stuff, finds the book with highlighted underneath, King Payment takes vulnerable hosts. It's like, okay, that's all we needed to know from that book. She, like, she turns straight to that page, um, which is always happens in movies. Uh, and then she, we get the email that the, that the dad got of, you know, he had heard earlier the grave had been desecrated, which is a pretty big undersell from the cemetery because the grave was not desecrated. It was a grave robbery, I believe is what people would call that. Yep. The body yep. was gone. Yep. Um, and then we go up into the attic with Annie and she finds this body looked like it was black and covered with hair. I thought it was like a wolf body. <laughs> no, I didn't think it was hair. I thought it was the robe. It was obviously, I mean, I thought because it was decapitated, it, the body did not have a head. I thought at first it, it was, just to, just to be clear on what the word decapitated mean. If you're uh, aware. 
the body, I thought it was Charlie at first because that's the only one that we know that didn't have a head, right? Um, but it's the grandma, pretty certain. It is definitely the grandma. Um, and then we go to Peter in class, and this is where he slams his head against the desk and freaks out the girl he could have slept with if Charlie hadn't have died. Um, and then Steve. I have a fun fact. You're talking about when, when his like wrist turns upside down? Mm-hmm. When Alex Wolf slams his head on the desk, he actually broke his nose. And that scream is a real scream of pain. I read something slightly different, but I, I'm okay with believing either. What did you read? That he told Ari Aster he was willing to actually break his nose, and Ari Aster was like, no thanks, uh, we got this covered. And that he slammed it against it, and like the top is foam and the bottom's hard, so maybe he did fuck it up a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, didn't, mm. I, don't, I don't care. Sounds cool. Sounds really tough. Um, so Steve has to get him uh annie helps get uh peter in the house and then she's like you need to go up into the attic and when when she tells him to go up there i was like is it just all going to be gone and she's going to look like a crazy person she's going to look like the crazy person she actually is and then he opens the attic and i hear the flies i was like all right that's a good sign all right there's probably still a body up there and he just like screams from up there he's like what the fuck is that what is that (laughs) yeah and then i love the camera play at this point where Steve goes up in the attic, but we follow Joan, or Joan, we, f- we follow Annie. And so we're like, all right, I guess Steve is up there doing his thing. So we're following Annie and Annie is like setting the fire in the fireplace. Um, and I think if anyone has seen the trailer or any promotion for this movie, you know what that is setting up at this point, especially since we're coming close to the end of the movie at this point we're like 20 25 minutes at, at before the end of the film and um uh yeah you heal you you hear steve is like what the fuck and then he's like coming down and he's like we have to call the police and john uh and i keep calling her joan but annie for the first time in the movie is like i figured it out and you think for the first time in the movie that a member of this family is finally taking like a proactive stance against what's happening to them. She's like, this is the book. This is explaining it. I looked it up. Joan, my friend knew my mom. Why wouldn't she tell my mom? And as we all know in horror movies, this is a very bad sign over explanation and confiding in someone about the details of the weird shit that's going on and he uh of course very reasonably doesn't believe her because she's she's kind of been acting crazy and what she's saying is crazy um and she asks him to throw the book in and he's like i'm calling the police i can't really play into your delusions anymore there's this moment where she like hands him the book and her whole monologue is like five minutes long straight. And he doesn't say a fucking word. <laughs> and I thought he was like, well, Annie, I listened to you. That's very reasonable. Yes, I will burn this book. 
thank you for bringing this to my attention. And he was like, oh, bitch, you dug up your mom's grave. And I was like, whoa, 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 dude. I'm so pissed at, at Steve at this point. I was like, how do you come to that conclusion? Who else would have done it? The cult members. He doesn't know about the cult members. Why, why would he, he think, why would he think his own wife would do that to his mom, to her mom? She's crazy. I wish that was more spelled out. I think the fact that when she's in the meeting with them and she's like, my dad was crazy. My mom was crazy. My brother was crazy. You were supposed to pick up on she is probably crazy. I, I guess. And, and I, okay. So you know how much I hate things that are overexplained in movies that I feel like the movie treats its audience as, as infant children that are stupid. No, I don't wish that this was overexplained. I just wish it was made a little bit more clear. What I wish was not overexplained, and it was, is that the grandmother sewed that stupid Joan mat, and I felt like we didn't need to know so much about that, but that's fine. Well, you missed it the first time, so very clearly you needed it spelled out for you. I missed it the first time because, and I still got it, missing it the first time. I still got it the second time. And I thought, well, now it would have been cool if it was just that last time. I, I thought that would have been a better reveal. And the grandma called her Joni instead of Joan, which is interesting. That's how you know that she wasn't uh, Annie's friend. She, she didn't let her call her Joni. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, as soon as she asked him to throw the book in, I was like, oh, he's going to light on fire. And then he won't do it. And she throws it in and he still lights on fire. Um, and what I love about this, and it's very subtle, but I'm sure you saw it, is as she's looking at him at light on fire in horror, right? She's looking at him and her face is just horror in like horror about this happening. There's like a change yeah. and her face like completely changes. And now she's like been taken over by like a demon, a spirit, whatever. Like she's no longer Annie. She's no longer in control of herself. And it's that light. It's that light that, that Peter sees at his school. Um, there's a flash right. of it on her face, and that's when she makes the change. Right. And so from then on, she is in the movie. She's, you know, a completely different character, which makes sense for all the stuff she does. Um, so yeah, from here on out, Peter's kind of the protagonist of this movie. Um, he wakes up and... What I don't think looks very good, but Charlie crawls behind him. Did you see that? No. He wakes up, sits up in his bed, looks to the side, and Charlie crawls behind him. But Charlie crawls behind him in like thin air. It didn't really make any sense to me. And I was like, that doesn't look very good. I, 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 I missed it. I, I guess... You must have blinked is really because it happened so quickly. I rewound it. And I was like, wow, that doesn't look great. Um, but then he walks downstairs. Like with her head? Yeah. Yeah. Just Charlie. Just all of Charlie crawls behind him. Um, yeah. Floating? Just like a, huh? Floating? 
yeah floating in like nothingness though like yeah it was weird okay. she's like crawling sideways like she's on a wall but she doesn't look like she's on a wall it's just it's very odd anyway okay. so then peter goes downstairs and him walking this whole house is so tense and the the shots of him walking down the stairs and the shots of annie and steve walking down the stairs really reminded me of the way like parasite was shot like the the kind i of see the, that i see that the, and so so anyway he walks down finds his dad burned and the just out of focus seeing annie uh tony collette in the ceiling so fucking creepy um so fucking creepy he he doesn't know that's his dad right um i think he sees the wedding ring because it it focuses in on the wedding ring on the hand because the hand's sticking up god ari aster is such a fucking good filmmaker and then we see the mom a, a little bit more in the ceiling and then he looks over the mom is gone and what looked like a naked native american man Oh, I thought it was just a naked man. I couldn't you, tell. You know who I think it was? It, I think it might have been the dude who was staring at what's her name when Charlie she at the funeral. That's who I think it might have been. But when I saw it, it looked like like it looked like he was a Native American. Anyway, and then the freakiest part to me, but you disagree, is Annie jumping out from the corner and chasing him all the way up the stairs. Him going into the attic, which is the last place he needed to go. Going up in the attic <laughs> and then her clutching onto the ceiling and banging her fucking head into the attic door. Oh my God. So fucking creepy. Um, okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We're going to, we're going to take it slow. Cause we're like five minutes done from the movie. I just want to point out a couple of things that we glossed over. Um, the music during this entire thing is this like crescendo of like strings and it just keeps getting more and more intense um and it's building up to the thing we're about to talk about but the the music and the sound design for this whole fucking movie i think is a good 70 to 75 percent of why you feel so anxiety ridden and intense through the whole film um so kudos to the to the composer and the sound designer and everyone who has anything to do with the the sound in this movie it's scary as hell the other thing is, is that going back to the moment where she's staring at her husband being burned, she's scared, clicks, she gets taken over and she has this like docile look about her. It cuts to an establishing, establishing shot of the outside of the house and it goes from day to night, like boom. That's, dude, that frightened me. That was like a jump scare that I've never seen before on like, it is like a whole 12 hours went by in like a blink of an eye. Um, so then he looks up in the attic. He sees naked people everywhere. And then he looks up and his mom is floating or hanging. You and I don't know or disagree. Um, and she is sawing her throat from the back, it looks like, or from the middle with a piano wire. It's very hard to tell. It's very dark. Um, it's shot at a very you know, downward angle. Um, that to me, um, I was pretty much calling it quits at that point. I was actually, I was not going to watch that part. It was two in the morning and you called me a, a pussy ass bitch if I didn't watch it. 
uh, at night. And I regret every moment of having to watch that by myself, mind you, because Taylor is out of town. So yes, you said I should have done that for the experience. Well, David, it was a fucking experience. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Yeah, I felt it. Did you? I mean, I just don't think it would have felt the same watching it at noon. No, I, I would have watched that shit at noon. I would have watched it with fucking holding some, your cats, something playing in the Protect background. Me. My God. All right. So, yeah, she's sawing her head off with a piano wire and she's floating, whatever, in midair. And then um, just horror encompasses his face. What was weird is that I couldn't tell because there was so much blood that she was like, you know, sawing her head off. Um, but none of it was dripping on him. I thought that was a missed effect. I would have liked to seen to seen that. But here's what I mean about the music. She wasn't like directly over him. I guess not. Here's what I mean by the music. So the music is a bunch of strings going ee, 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 to the rhythm of her sawing her head off. But then the music stops and then you hear the actual sawing sound of the piano wire going through her throat. <laughs> and I'm like, I fucking hate it. I fucking hate it. I fucking hate it. It just got like, you thought the music was bad. The lack of music somehow made everything so much worse. Anyway, Peter looks down, sees like three naked people in the corner, smiling at him, freaks out. And he jumps out the, the attic window, which honestly seems like an overreaction, but then honestly, that's probably what I would do too. First of all, how did these naked people get in the attic? They must have gone a different way. Second of all, they had to be cold, right? We're in Utah, by the way, if you didn't know. I did not uh, know. So, Oh, yeah, just, the cults. It's Mormons. Uh, makes sense now. There's, I think they're Satanists. <laughs> um, yeah, so he jumps out the window um, and then see, and then <laughs> you hear the, th like the sawing stop and the thud of the body hit the ground, which makes me believe she was hanging. Um, and then her, that headless body floats into the treehouse. The light hits Peter's face and now he's changed, right? And he goes into the treehouse. Oh, I didn't think he changed. You, th you saw a change? Yeah, I saw the light enter him. Um, because oh. then he clicks his tongue. Oh. And then as he's walking to the treehouse, he looks over and it looks like there's a dead animal. I guess I assume it's their dog that the cult maybe killed. I don't know. It was just like an animal laying there. It had a Very dog? Confused. Yeah, because at one point, the dog's like growling at him while he's in his room and then the door slams the dog shut and you hear like... Ar, 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 ar. Oh, I, thought that was, I thought that was an apparition because you never see the dog before that or after that ever again except for maybe its body outside. Uh, and then a bunch of naked people coming out of the woods. Uh, yes, he goes yes. up there and the mom and grandma's headless bodies look like they're prone and bowing to a statue of, I believe, Payman, but it looks like Charlie's like face has been sliced off and put on it. Yep, very accurate with like a makeshift crown and staff. And then Joan, who you don't get to see, but you hear her voice, it's very distinct because you've heard her talk a lot, uh, takes the crown off, puts it on Peter, and then we get some speech. And apparently, uh, if you didn't know, Payman is one of the eight kings of hell. So there's eight of them. I don't know which of the eight he is or if there's an order, 
Um, and then we get a hail Payman uh, to end the movie. And the ending shot is really cool because we're back at that like dollhouse kind of look into rooms shot. Um, what I thought was interesting is that the effigy with Charlie's face on it is replaced by Peter because that's not in the room in the wide shot. At the ending wide shot, that's not in the room. He's in its place. It's gone. The, the two decapitated bodies are still kneeling, but they're kneeling at him. Um, so I, the, I guess the switch is complete. Um, now, do you think hmm. that the gallery that was waiting for her miniatures, do they, who do they sue at this point to get their money back? There was probably some advance given to Annie, right? Um, oh, well, that's easy, David. You obviously sue the cult. That'll work out well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, overall, I, I was um, very affected by this movie more than I, I guess I, more than I thought I would be. I was able to go to sleep right away and it was like 11. So that was fine. Um, but it was really great. I, you know, I don't know if I prefer this or Midsommar. It's a little fresh, but. I prefer um, Midsommar, 100%. <laughs> I, I finished this movie uh, right before midnight, and I then watched like four episodes of Monk, cooked myself two fried eggs and did a load of dishes. And the last thing I wanted to do was turn off all the lights and go to my bed. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And we finally watched Hereditary.